0: Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going?
1: Super good. It's early. Ugh. Mm. Jeez. Mm. Just barely had time to splash some water on my face and eat half of a cold sausage. Hmm. It's kind of Dickensian. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please, sir. Mm-hmm. May I have some more cold sausage? mm Hmm. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for <laughs> <laughs> With the Jew fagin <sighs> Have, hey, Here's a question for you Yes. This is probably actually a question for Don Schaffner No oh, I'm happy to speculate <laughs> How long Can you leave a Like a pan of cold grease On the stove Before the grease Goes bad Before it gets rancid Strictly speaking,
0: uh, so was, I'm thinking there's two angles here. One angle is that like you made some lamb or something. Yeah. Okay, let's how, start. The how many days is it before you really want to be careful that you don't put your spoon in there and accidentally lick it?
1: Well, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to go bad in the sense of it, um, but no, it becomes, it becomes
0: hazardous. Like you wouldn't want to like pour that into a coffee cup and then like you know drink out of it.
1: I'm not sure that hazardous is the is the standard. I think it's right. more it's more taste mm. whether it, it becomes because you know butter sits out. It never yeah. goes. It's not going to get bad. Well, that was my part two. My you. part two was that like I, I reuse grease.
0: I'll reuse I'll reuse some grease. I'll uh. I've I, I recently moved to lard. You'll as reuse my,
1: the hell out of some grease.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that used to be like a tradition. We used to keep uh-huh. it. I remember in the later parts of my youth, we kept um. We would pour bacon grease into a coffee can, Yeah. mostly so we could throw it out. But I think, I suspect that had its origins in, we're going to pour this
1: in here and then reuse it. Oh, yeah. For real? My, so, yeah, they, my mom always had, he didn't just throw perfectly good grease away. Mm-hmm. My good pal Bob Wood up in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> he used Is to. Is Bob the one with the mom? Bob had the mom. Mm-hmm.
0: She lived in a bookcase, <laughs> listened to NPR, yeah, and drank Lapsan sushi tea.
1: Yep, that's right. That's Bob's mom. God, you're good. Bob. I love Bob's mom. You're so good. Bob Wood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Bob Wood used to keep, you know, he had a big, he had like a like a 10-gauge or a 12-gauge cast iron pan that he left on the stove at all times, and it always had... An inch of grease in it, or, you know, maybe not an inch, but like a you know (laughs) (laughs) It covered the bottom though. No, no, no. Thicker than that. Yeah. You know, it was like a it was, let's say, between a centimeter and a half an inch of Mm -hmm. of of bacon grease. It was always sort of coagulated in this pan. And when, when he would because he you know, all these guys up in Alaska, they're all fishermen, he would get some Five pounds of halibut cheeks, or something. Some guy would come into town, and he'd be like, "Hey, Bob, I'll trade you five pounds of halibut cheeks for two gold pans and a pickaxe." <laughs> and so very, then Bob would interested
0: ha- in the community up
1: there. <laughs> Bob would have all this fish all of a sudden, and so he'd throw the halibut cheeks in the in the bacon grease and cook them right he wouldn't just throw them in there and leave them there for the afternoon he'd, sure. he'd heat, heat it up he's and not marinating it. them <laughs> no uh he's cooking them and uh they were the best you know that's the best way to cook fish of course is flash fry it in some hot bacon grease mm. and then he would turn the the sto- he'd turn the the gas off and then the grease would just stay there he would pluck the fish out it's not like he ever the grease was just there and so i never i wasn't living with bob i never said like how often do you turn this grease around. Um, but then I thought about it, and a lot of people in Alaska had a pan of grease on the stove. So anyway, I've been adopting this lately. and uh, But I just, I need some guidelines, because I don't want to be making some classic mistake. I don't want it to be one of those situations like, you know, when I used to drink heavily, I'd go out drinking every night, and some friend of mine would always come with me, and I just assumed that all my friends drank every night when, in fact, they just really they got super fucked up one night a week with me. Oh, you were there weekend. But I was I said, right, I was there weekend, but I was doing it seven nights a week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You were but I was, you, you'd gone pro at this point. I was pro and I but I was confused because there was always somebody with me and I figured everybody was doing it. But no, they all had jobs. And I don't want it to be one of those situations where. As soon as I leave, they dump the grease out, but, and then I come back, and there's a new pot of grease, because they made bacon that morning, I understand. and I'm thinking, oh shit, there's, they're just leaving this grease around for, for weeks and months.
0: And you, and one of your, uh, despite any other side effects of your uh, profession, you, I believe you said you never, you weren't much of a blackout guy, like you would still remember lots of things about what happened.
1: Oh, me as a, yeah, no, 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 I never blacked out. But it's worth mentioning
0: I, again, because that, that's quite
1: a performance characteristic, that's, that's very unusual. I didn't black out, and I hardly ever vomited. I just, on rare occasions, would would vomit. But even in those situations, I would usually sort of excuse myself from the table, go outside, vomit. Like, like a rhinoceros would vomit. <laughs> like standing up, beer still in hand. <laughs> and then go back in and sit back down at the table and say, like... Where were we? It was a great advantage. It was a great advantage if that had been a competitive sport. You know what I mean? Like there are mm-hmm. people that can run. I'm a great vomiter. A four minute mile. I'm a really gifted vomiter.
0: Is that right? Yeah, I don't get to use it as much as I would like. Uh, it's I don't know what it is because it's funny. It's one of those things where, uh, you know, when you're a kid, like obviously to me, hypodermic needles were the height of fear. Hypodermic needles and corporal punishment were the two things I most feared. Mm-hmm. I never got the second, and I only very occasionally got the first, but it was like a guiding principle in my life is I don't want to be hurt. Yeah, but, but you know, a far third was probably I didn't want to vomit. I, little kids don't like to vomit. No,
1: no. It's not
0: and fun. at some point, and it wasn't even a drinking thing, uh, I just at some point, I just got really good at vomiting. I, I, uh, I let go and I let God. I just accepted it, and I just said this is a thing. We're going to do it. I, I've said this to you before, I believe, but I think one problem is that people don't like nausea. But the nausea just makes them more anxious about vomiting. When really you want to just get it over with. That's what a pro does.
1: Oh, I should have taken that advice a couple of weeks ago. I had a, I went out and got a burrito in Portland, Oregon at two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, night, night burrito. A night burrito, mm-hmm. and it was you know it was a perfectly respectable place in Portland that I'd been before. Um, but it's a you know it's a shabby late night burrito. But I got the one that you know. I I did what I do, right? I ordered a little bit off menu, and even as I was eating it, I was like, "This is the wrong choice." Not 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 because there was anything fishy about the burrito, but it was just like, "This is the wrong choice." You don't need to eat this burrito at two in the morning. But you know, it's we're partying. I'm showing off. Look what I can do.
0: <laughs> it's, not, it's not like eating everybody's Subway <laughs> sandwiches over a sewer. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna finish that? <laughs> no, no, Merlin,
1: I am not going to finish that. <laughs> we're standing over a sewer. <laughs> uh, I I took the liberty of of, uh, of ordering <laughs> one of each of the subway sandwiches. You know yeah. they've they've got fourteen. It's I ordered a flight. one of each. I got a flight of Subways, and I would say it was
0: for the table, but there's no table because we're standing no over table. a sewer.
1: We're standing on a sewer. Who is it? That's you, me, Jonathan, Colton, Paul, and Storm, probably. Uh, no, Drew. Drew oh, Drew, or, or Drew, his, Starface, uh, help yeah, his right. helper monkeys. Yeah, right. I don't think I'm not sure. Paul and Storm. You know, usually those guys. Storm likes to stay out late. Paul likes to get home mm-hmm. back to the hotel. He's he's got things to take care of. He does. He's he didn't got, let anybody know, else drive. He wants to Skype home. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, so then the next day I had nausea. Oh no! From your night burrito. And, and all day long I fought the nausea. Oh. I drove back from Portland to Seattle the entire way, just like speeds of sweat, just dripping down the sides of my face. Just like, I am, I am gonna, you know, because I have a very good constitution in the sense that I can eat poisonous food mm-hmm. and survive. It's like the Princess Bride. You've been practicing your whole life. My whole life, right? Been, I uh, can... What
0: is it? Itocane? Like, you've been, you've been taking little bits <laughs> so that you can and go I... up against, uh, you know, the so Sicilian when death is on the
1: line. That's right. I have I have uh, inured myself to Idocaine and also to E. coli and also to whatever else. I mean I <laughs> E. coli <laughs> I can eat I can eat almost anything. And I said, you know, this burrito is not gonna get the better of me. Mm-mm. So all day I'm just ugh, I just feel awful sweat and just ugh, green around the gills. And by the time I get to my house, I'm really incapacitated by food poisoning, and not acknowledging it. And I get into the house, and I'm just—I had this. I guess I—I—I I, I thought of you. Mm-hmm. What would Merlin do? Mm-hmm. WWMd. Mm-hmm. MD. Mm-hmm. Well, Marcus Welby, MD. Mm-hmm. Let's <laughs> <That's bold. laughs> And uh, and so I went into the bathroom, and then boy, mm-hmm. did I did I let fly, and and you know I felt. Uh, I felt better. I felt no longer that feeling of nausea. That's a kind but, of, it can but, be a kind of relief because you're like, all right, it's finally happening. It was, except that I think by incubating the food poisoning for an entire day, but, you know, Like by will, I could have thrown up at nine in the morning, you know, by spending all day really, really, really integrating it into my whole corpus. Well, the
0: thing is when you're when you're sick, whether this this goes for downstairs basement situations, too, or upstairs uh, situations, is that you are you're there. You're going to be there for as long as this thing needs to do what it's going to do. There are no there are really not any shortcuts that I'm aware of. Because like even if you had vomited at nine a.m., that's no guarantee you wouldn't still be vomiting all day long. You're fighting that initial vomit, but it's going to work its way through your system one way or another. And you just have to decide. In your case, you decided to fight it and uh, drive sweaty. But yeah. like that, that's part of what makes it. You're really in its thrall. You know, you don't get
1: to post bail and get out of nausea. Well, um, and this is one of the things that I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent certain if I didn't make it a thousand times worse because it's incubating. Even- It incubated and then I was sick for three days, which is a lot longer than you should be normally sick on food poisoning, right? You should be able to kick it in a day. But I continued to really struggle. And I think it's because, you know, rather than rather than get this stuff out, I let it get in there and just, you know, set up housekeeping and rent a trailer. And, you Mm -hmm. know, those guys were probably hook hook up utilities and basic cable. yep, Yep. Yeah. Yep, they had their di- their their dish the out. Dish, yeah. So, ugh, I should have just uh, I should have just taken it, take you know, taking the axe to it.
0: Well, let me tell you, if there's anything, uh, it's Don and uh, Ben, right from from Doctor Doctors Don and Ben. If there's anything that I've learned that's made my life more complicated, it's mm-hmm. that it's, it's food safety is a turns out business. The, there's all this stuff Certainly you think is. you've been on their program. I've been. This is uh, what's it called? Food Safety Talk. Um, we've both been on there I've really enjoyed it. Uh, the thing that I feel like I'm learning from them is that like, it's sort of one of those, everything you know about food is wrong type situations. Cause and with the primary one being, and I, we discussed this at length when I was on their show and I think you might've discussed this, but there's that whole idea of this, this matrix of what makes food safe in terms of how hot you cook it, how long you cook it. And there's this, this amazing graphic that Ben showed me of because I'm a sous vide guy, right? That's the thing where you, you vacuum up food and then you cook it in a warm bath um, at a very specific temperature. And you it, vacuum it up? I, I eventually popped for the vacuum thing and it was really worth it. You could do it in a Ziploc bag too. But the basic idea, when we first hear this, this sounds mental, but you get this thing, it looks like a lightsaber. You stick it in water and you say, I want get this water to exactly 132 degrees. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, I've, I've aged, dried, and prepackaged really nice ribeyes. With time and the whole nine, I've got it in a little plastic bag. I pulled that out of you ready for this? Brace yourself. I pulled this out of the freezer. You take that out of the freezer. You did not hear me wrong. Hundred and thirty two degree water. You That's throw very hot. It's not very hot. I mean, most will tell you, like, usually for, like, a—this uh, is fascinating uh, steak talk—but a lot of times when you think of a, a medium rare, and there's so many ways to get a medium rare wrong, that's what, want about one—somewhere in the low 140s, usually, like— oh, Is I, that I right? Yeah, I think it's usually no higher than, like, a 142. Oh. And what do they tell you? You're cooking chicken? You're cooking pork chops? It's got to be 160. Because if it's oh, not boy. 160, you're going to die with pork worms, right? Oh, is Isn't that what they tell you? That's—, that's All the time—all the times I've had pork worms. Pork— <laughs> <laughs> Let me so, this is where you get into the turns out though, because guess I what I do? You. I throw frozen meat in plastic into a warm bath, 132 degrees, not what are, you I mean, about,
1: are you talking about boiling in a bag?
0: It's only boil about? in a bag, but it's not boil; it's bag, no, no boil, uh-huh. and it's a delicious ribeye. And then you know what I do? I, t- I tell my dingus, I say, remind me to take out steaks in two hours.
1: All so right. you think I would have left the time off of there first of all? But but How do let's you mean? assume let's assume that you like the taste of time.
0: Oh, you don't like, see, people have strong feelings. Cilantro, <clears throat> cilantro, rosemary, thyme, people have strong feelings.
1: I feel like thyme is the stuff that that you smell when you're walking through Joshua Tree, like when you're walking through the desert somewhere mm. and you're kicking up brush. Yeah, like, it's got a brushy smell. I don't want that put on my steak.
0: Okay, I'll leave it off yours. All right, thanks. So there's so much about this that is bananas. Uh, so first of all, the fact that you would have meat that was 132 degrees sounds crazy. And the well, fact that you would cook a steak for two hours sounds mental. Well, that you would be using the
1: lightsaber at all in this process. The
0: lightsaber, it's plugged in in the water. You're putting electric in the water. And then for t- you put frozen meat in. But long story short, probably too late. Yeah. The yeah. thing is, 132, for if you do it long enough... Kills, and please do your own due diligence, don't die from what you hear on a podcast, but the idea is that you don't need to cook pork to 160, I cook pork to 142. Come on. And and the thing is, you do it long enough, it kills the pathogens, mm-hmm. and the thing is, mainly the longer you leave it in, the more it becomes... It's sort of like when you um smoke or slow cook pork over a long time, it gets kind of you get that kind of pulled pork sort of thing. So if mm-hmm. you put your ribeye in there, you could put it in there for twenty four hours. You could put a rib roast in there. But if you put a steak in for twenty four hours, it would still be medium rare. It would just be kind of mealy. And that, Hmm. the physics of that, which I don't begin to understand, but it has been explained to me and I still don't understand it. All I know is that me of two years ago, the idea of taking frozen steak and throwing it into a bathtub at 132 degrees for two hours is the craziest idea. In In a a bag. bag. Yeah. But But it does work. But this is where you get into the turns outs. And this is where we get into your grease specifically. Yeah. I'll bet you there's a turns out to how long to keep the grease. If I had my druthers, it would be like McDonald's. I would just have grease sitting around like Bob all the time, you know, good to go.
1: Hmm. Uh, let me get back to this steak-in-a-bag thing. It yeah. does not sound like it would have a very appetizing outside. It
0: does not.
1: Yeah. So. And this is
0: where you go to the next level. Yeah. So as you know, we basically live in a hovel built in the 20s, but uh, we do have a range.
1: I wouldn't describe it as a hovel, but yeah. yeah
0: I like our house. Um, you. Uh, so what you do is you take it out, you dry it thoroughly. At this mm-hmm. point, you don't really have to let it set up. You're
1: talking gonna, about pat it dry with some towels?
0: I do some paper towels on either side, and then you, uh, you get the uh, oil of your choice, the, the lubricant of your choice. In, in my let's, case, call it,
1: let's call it bacon grease in a pan.
0: For me, it's lard. Okay. I, I, I've, I've gone down on lard. Where do you buy lard? Uh, a local grocery store. Made by the, I think it's made by the Armor Company. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. You, okay. you see this lard. Okay, this is going to be show notes. You see this lard, and you're going to go, oh, yeah, that lard. This right, ain't, right, I'm not right. talking about no vegetable stuff. I ain't talking about no Crisco. I'm talking about manteca. I'm talking about yeah. Armour lard. And you and it's Armour, right? Arm- Armour. Yeah, it's Armour. Yeah. It's, it's from the from yeah. the French. Yeah, from the oh, French. Oh, and they have a website, Discover the lard of difference. Hmm.
1: This is that a pun? Discover the lard of
0: difference. Oh, sorry, discover the lard difference. <laughs> oh, the lard difference. <laughs> okay. Back to basics, being a trusted family tradition to your
1: kid this is the lard of difference. <laughs> <That> sounds... <laughs> Pull it from the stone, and ye shall be king of England. You're going
0: to have to save versus the Lord of difference. Um, but uh, wow, I'm really fascinated by this. And I sent you a link. Um no, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm on the armor site.
0: Monteca, Monteca in Espanol. And Bring you know,
1: let me just real quick, real, real quick tradition. side
0: road. I don't want to derail okay. our conversation that's so on track. But this started for me when I got a, got a blue apron. And the Blue Apron was to make uh, some kind of like a delicious Mexican uh, dish with um, carnitas. And it comes with the tiny little, you know, like if you get like if you make uh, cinnamon rolls at home and you get the jizz in a little package. Like Mm -hmm. they give you a little jizz sized package of lard to cook the carnitas with. And I was like, lard, that's not very healthy. Mm -hmm. But I did it and it was fantastic. It browned up really well in the pan. And that's why I
1: use it for the steaks. So you pat your steaks. Well, I'm going right here to if on the Armor site. Yes, one of the top one of the top navigation bars is why lard? Why lard? Question mark. You get down. You get in there. Discover the lard difference. It's better for you. It has better taste and better results. Lard is better. It seems so obvious now. Pure natural goodness. That's yeah. why your grandmother's grandmother trusted lard. Oh, whoa, Woo. Woo. They're dropping some science on us. Bringing out, bringing out the big guns. Of grandma's lard. And not, not because your grandmother's grandmother didn't have anything but lard. It's yeah. because she knew it was pure natural She goodness. knows about the lard difference. Yeah, the lard difference. <clears throat> so uh, you patted it dry. Yeah.
0: Now, you don't want this to get too hot. But I will, I will go to a medium setting, which is still pretty hot, especially if you're cooking with Manteca. And so uh, so you got your steaks. It, it's it's they heated up your oil of choice, your lubricant of choice. <clears throat> and you gently put it in there. Now, here's what I do. Here's a life hack. I have an old uh cast iron pan that uh you know got kind of janky but I keep it around as a pressing pan What? So I, I put I put a I put a steak <clears throat> with the with the manteca the lard into the new Lodge cast iron pan I use the old Lodge cast iron pan. I put it on top like a brick like you make a chicken under a brick I press it down you get chicken a chicken under
1: would you, you- never had chicken under a brick this show is going off the rails. No, chicken no. No, bread. no. People,
0: I, I happen to know from feedback that people love when we talk about food and recipes. Is
1: that, is that something? Is that your oh, we got to talk about the grandmother, Your grandmother's grandmother taught you? Chicken mm-hmm. under a brick? That the seems lot. like...
0: The... <laughs> the
1: chicken difference.
0: <laughs> and then, so you, within like, in less than two minutes, you get a great sear that does not overly mediumify... The layer right. next to the delicious medium rareness. Oh, that's the right. other thing with this uh, cooking it in the sous vide is it is uniform. Every single cubic millimeter of that steak is exactly the same doneness. But then you sear it at the end. You want a little bit of extra kosher salt or what, what have you? You can use butter. You can use whatever you want. Steak and butter, pretty good. And that's you've got nice. yourself Now, at this point, I will drop that into... Uh, some uh, uh, aluminium foil. I'll fold it up and I'll let it set up a little bit. I'll finish the sides because, as you know, I like all my food to be hot and finished at exactly the same moment. Hot and finished. Hot, that's the hot, Merlin man difference. And Fest and bulbous. <laughs> so then that's that's all done. <laughs> that's right, the mascara snake. Uh, okay, we might be a little off the rails. And I still I still got to talk to you about the Beatles and I still have yeah. to talk to you about parking. So we have a lot to talk about today. This could Oof, be a very long
1: there, The thing is, there's a lot of new Beatles news, which we can't always say. No, it's you such know, a know, huge know, you know,
0: week for the Beatles. Yeah, the Beatles. Okay, uh, say something. Me? Okay, good, you fuzzed out a minute, but you're back.
1: Yeah, you fuzzed out too. Oh no. We that was got really hacked. exciting. We got, we got hacked. <laughs> Do you think we got hacked? <laughs> you think it's the ha- Russian hackers? It's ransomware. Are they taking our, our social security numbers? Manafort! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use domain tools to get to the bottom of this. Uh oh, I'm in, I cracked the encryption. <laughs>
0: Boop, 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 boop. There's green letters on my screen. We're in. <clears throat> so that's how you make a steak. Uh, and so here's the thing, though. I think we should probably reach out to friends of the show, uh, Doctors Don and Ben, and ask them for their opinion. And now, do we want to pose this in a specific way? Is it a question of how long? How long is it safe for me to leave bacon grease in the pan? And how long is it safe for me to reuse it? Is that kind of the I, question?
1: Well, but I think <clears throat> I think my suspicion is that the word that the word we're looking for is not safe. Because I think the mm, it's doctors, more Talmudic. like, is it proper? Yeah, or, or yeah, is the, it ethically I
0: think, uh, sound?
1: It's going to be one of those things that they, you know, the, my experience of talking to those guys about food safety was pretty much. First of all, every time I said, "Is it safe to eat this?" one of them would say, "Eh, yes," and the other would go, mm, "No," mm. and it and it kept flip flopping between the two of them. <sighs> and the lesson, the ultimate lesson, was in every situation you have to make a judgment call. Because it's it, not
0: one vector, that's the thing, is, this is part is of
1: the turns out, there's not one vector to this. Right, is it safe for me to eat, is it safe for me to eat right now? Do I choose to take the risk of eating this? Because what they said right. was, everything you put in your mouth, it's a, there's some risk. <laughs> I <hear> somebody, that. <laughs> You know, somebody could have pooped on your popsicle. You know, uh, if you say, you know. oh, okay, is it
0: safe, this thing has been frozen for a month, is it safe to eat? The easy answer is yes, but the huge asterisk is, well, what happened to it before it was frozen?
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Right. What if somebody put that chicken under a brick? If somebody put the you chicken under a brick, it might be half a cock in there. You don't know. You you don't you, know.
0: don't you don't want to be putting that in your mouth just because somebody said, see, this is ugh, this is this is the problem with the internet.
1: So I don't know. A lot of time a lot of times when I have a piece of food that I have left out too long mm-hmm. and I think, hmm, this food is now into this range of like, has this been sitting out too long? Mm. I'll put it in the freezer. <laughs> And I figure, if, if I leave it in the freezer for a month, that's then, like taking your severed finger and putting it in a box of band-aids. I put it in the freezer for a month. I mean, the, give this whatever, about a week. The freezer will do something. Uh-huh. I don't know what. And <clears> but what <throat> the primary thing the freezer will do is cause me to forget that yes. I ever left this out on the counter for too long. Yes. And, and it will make the choice for me because when I find it in there later, I'm going to be like, "Oh, I didn't know this was in here." Right, and then I'll make it, and I'll, and and uh, it'll be trouble-free. Oh, you you do go ahead and make it though. Because I forget. I forget uh-huh. that I put it in there because it had been sitting out on the counter. Oh, too. I don't.
0: I know all along what I'm doing. It's sort of the way my wife basically, when she, she saves any tiny bit of food, so you basically get garbage plus a plastic bag. And uh-huh. you know nobody's going to eat that last you know chicken leg or th- wing or whatever, like the one right. like, burnt wing. Like, why are we keeping this? I don't, don't want to waste food. Well, now you're wasting food and a bag. And,
1: <laughs> and in, that, in that case, oh, it's like... Oh, I just, I just had a glimpse inside your marriage. It's so beautiful. Oh, uh, I like now, so much about my marriage. yeah. Now you're wasting food and a bag. I love that. I really am a joy to have around.
0: Stella Dora breakfast treats. <laughs> I would be down there nodding on this thing like the Paperboy's cock. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I this drives my they family. Call them breakfast. They call Dor- We're doing somebody else's bit, but like this is still a thing I do like easily five to sixty times a day. I walk by the cat and she's mm. just sitting there in the hallway staring. She's sitting on her cushion by the heater, because she's an old frail lady. And I look around and I go, What are you doing? <laughs> and my family says, Stop doing that. You're scaring her. And the cat looks at me like what? Right, Belladore right. breakfast treats. Yeah, no, the cat knows. The cat knows. Belladore <laughs> breakfast treats.
1: <laughs> you know, you know. I love that
0: I, album so much. There's so much on that. This we're talking about uh, feeling kind of Patton, Patton yeah, Oswalt's. I Oswald's. think first
1: comedy a record, long, long time ago. There's
0: much on there that is not for sensitive ears. Uh, but boy, is that funny?
1: Yeah. I there's a website that I let me recommend it to you guys. Yeah. It's called folkstreams.net. Hmm. Folk, F O L K, folkstreams.net. Okay. And it's a place where all of the documentary films about American roots cultures are archived oh my gosh and it's like an it's it's like a free it's a na it's an it's a i feel a, like i a, have been to this site a national preserve of all these documentaries made in the 70s i think i've been, i think i watched a movie here recently yeah it's just like whatever happened to the paddle wheel steamer yes, well I yes this is where
0: this is where i got a copy of talking feet Solo Southern Dance, Buck, Flatfoot, and Tap. and Because do you know why? This is an important substrata of a very important movie. Uh, what's it called? Dancing Rebel? You, remember mm-hmm. the guy with the costly sunglasses? You ever seen that movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. This is a terrific... I'm sorry. I'm taking you off. Folk it's Streams. True. Yeah, Talking Feet. Oh, I wish we had show notes. I would put it in. Go Google Talking Feet, Solo Southern Dance, Buck, Flatfoot, and Tap. And it's an amazing documentary. Uh, I think it came out in the mid 80s, but it was made in the early, early 80s. And it's just documenting these very, very old men who do that Southern like tap. Oh, not,
1: yeah, yeah. The, but the like, uh, yeah, clock, yeah it's, like,
0: it's, like, it's like clocking. It's not a group, it's it's a solo performance. But these guys are amazing and they just live out in the sticks and they're incredible.
1: I'm sorry, folkstreams.net. Folksreams.net. So if you want to, like, I'm just scrolling down here. It's like Ed Presnell, the Dulcimer Maker. Mm hmm. Or. The uh, Art of ironworking. Yeah. Finnish Americans, a 1982 portrait of Finnish American culture in Upper Michigan. Mm hmm. Uh, Florida shrimping traditions. Oh, man. So many here's nights. Ga- here's some Gandhi dancers. More Gandhi dancers. Gandhi dancers are the, uh, you know, they're like the, they're singing, singing as they, uh, as they. As they build railroad tracks. 1978 documentary, Mermaids,
0: Frog Legs, and Fillets. It's about mm. basically about hip hop on the streets in 1978.
1: Yeah. Wow. Right. So anyway, so I'm on here a lot, and I was watching a <laughs> movie about uh, the de- the decaying. So this movie was made in about 1981 or 82, and it's a guy that's like, there used to be a lot of Irish in the Bronx. But the Irish are getting pushed out, so I'm going to go around all the Irish par all Irish bars, and I'm going to talk to all the Irish guys. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and so I'm walking. I'm watching this movie, and he's just, it's, just it's, it's you know the guy like he wrote his narrative out before you know his he does sure. a voiceover narration, and he's a real Irish poet, so his. His narration is very colorful language, and he's and but he goes to these bars, and there's as you can imagine, cops and firemen, and then a bunch of people from the old country who are who've been living in the Bronx since the '40s. And I'm like, this part of the Bronx is not a part of New York that I know. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking up, I started looking into this part of the Bronx, and you know, I've been, like. You, you've been all around it, but just sort of didn't realize, like, oh, I guess this was the center of... I mean, if you go to this part of the Bronx, there's, there's 400 uh, Catholic churches all, all you know, within 10 blocks. Anyway, the Stelladoro factory was right there. That's where they made them. No kidding. And then just recently they were purchased by, you know, by Armand or uh, by Armand Hammer mm. or somebody mm-hmm. by... Uh, by uh, by Big Breakfast Cookie. Yeah, that's right. And then they then they they moved it. They moved their manufacturing to the Alamo or something. And then it's all, it's kind of the reverse. It's like New York City, except the reverse. <laughs> you watch so much of the same TV, That I, that I did. Texas, <laughs> New York City. <laughs> Get a rope.
0: It's my turn to operate. <laughs> I'm the sole survivor. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, so let me adoro. recommend that
1: you, that you spend hours and hours on this because its uh, it never gets here. There's M- Morgan Sexton, the Bull Creek Banjo Player. Of course. Oh, wow. Mouth music. I highly recommend this. Uh, boot camp count off chants, jump rope rhymes, and carny barks are featured in this fast moving sampler of proto music. Wow, that made me kind of tingly. Right? Boot camp count off chants, boot, jump rope rhymes, and carny camp, barks. Boot camp count off chants. <laughs> Boot camp, that's like boot camp, hip, right, left. Right. Had a good job, but I left, right, left.
0: They call it a, a cadence. We used to do those uh, when I was uh, in military school.
1: C-130 on taxiway. C- Airborne, we're going to jump today. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four.
0: One, two, three, four. Oh, one, two. One. Three, four. Mm. Yep. Mm. <laughs> we should start our own paramilitary unit. <laughs> Let me hear one of your. Let me hear one of your count-offs. I don't know, but I've been told. Let's see, I'm trying to remember. I'm confusing it with Full Metal Jacket, but I this was 1979. I was hearing these. Yeah, we had lots of body cadences and uh, body camp songs. A lot, a lot of uh, songs about vaginas. There was a lot of references to vaginas, even though none of us had ever seen vaginas. You're body, like B A W body, body, not bo- body, body, body. Where were we? Um, Night Burrito, Grease,
1: Dawn, and Bend, Uh We've gotten, gotten all the way to, uh... Are we up to Beatles in parking yet? I think so. I think we got real real close to the... You know, we're here at, we're here at Mouth Music. Here's Ot Blair, the sled maker. I can leave this... I See, the problem is,
0: I prepared a little bit for this, because I had an experience oh. yesterday with parking. It's not nearly as interesting as talking about the Beatles. Oh. But I just... I feel like I had to tell you this. You don't usually uh, take notes, so let, let's hear it. It's quick. It's just... I don't want to take us off Beatles, but I just want to say, like, okay, so yesterday, uh, as we record this, it was today's Memorial Day. Thank you for your service. Yesterday was the day before Memorial Day. We went down to Santa Cruz, go to the beach boardwalk. We're going to, you know, go on some rides, get ripped off by some games. Just have a little, little very short, fun family day. Sure. And, of course,
1: family.
0: it's the day before Memorial Day, so the place is mobbed. And this place was never meant—it's basically like a small, coastal, residential neighborhood where someone built a boardwalk that now is like a small theme park and it is not it is not like arriving at Disney World like it's, it's
1: full of teenage vampires too right
0: yes yeah, skateboarding vampires many yeah. of them teens it's real sketchy it's got that kind of like beach sketchy feeling anyway long story short it's packed the parking is it takes us you know 45 minutes just to get from like from somewhere to like finding parking there's parking lots tiny parking lots we finally find a parking space the sun is blaring down i don't know why i'm telling you this except i think you'd appreciate it we arrive there we park Oh, God, we got a space. There's a meter. All right, let's go run our card through the meter. Nice. Try, to, try to put your card into the meter. It's a twelve up to a 12-hour parking meter. Pretty great. You oh try to God. put your card in. Card doesn't fit. This does not take credit cards. Okay. It'll take quarters. Well, are we going to put in four or five hours worth of quarters? No, nobody has that anymore. Right? So we discovered they say, if you want to pay for this, so I look, look around. Every single one of the meters says expired and zero, zero on it. And I'm like, honey, maybe they're just not doing them today. And she's like, do you want to pay for a ticket? And I said, no, I do not want to pay for a ticket. But I also <laughs> do not want to interact <laughs> with an app. Because guess what? To pay for the parking, you need to get an app. Oh, see, that's how they hack this you. Is how, this is how they get in the hack you. So yeah. I, I don't know why I'm telling you this. So I see there's yeah. this service called Park Mobile. And yeah. I want Park Mobile I don't want it to die once in a fire. I want it to survive and go through painful recovery to go die in another fire.
1: Yeah, you've used Park Mobile before? No, no, oh, so, oh, no. So usually, you, don't you pay for parking
0: and, like an adult. You put in a
1: right. few quarters if you're going to the comic store, or you use your credit card like an adult. You don't. Uh, you, you went into this just completely uh, like you're just a virgin to this. Totally but virgin now, to
0: this, and I and I, but I, you know, and I'm, you know how I am,
1: right? Yeah, I do.
0: (laughs) So, anyway, so there's this service called Park Mobile. And then their thing is it's parking made simple.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, here's what you do
0: you're either going to get the app or you can call and set up an account. And I'm like, and I'm, my family's are. I'm getting that, I see the look in their eyes because they see I'm going to a certain place. And I'm like, you're telling me that in order to park the car, I've got to get an app Uh or make a phone call. Or you make a phone call. They're making it simple. I'm starting to get the app. So, you go to their website. Their website points you to the App Store. You go to the App Store. You download mm-hmm. the app. You wait. Because remember, you're not on a wireless connection. You need an app to pay for parking. So you mm-hmm. wait. You wait. You wait. It downloads. Okay, all right. All right. How do I pay for this? Uh-uh. Not so fast, Johnny. Guess what? Now you got you to gotta create an account.
1: you got to create an and account. So I
0: say, Madeline, would you please use your iPhone and please call to set up an account while I'm doing this? Because I'm, I'm going to hulk out in a minute. <laughs> so now you know me. Now mm-hmm. I don't just go type a bunch of letters. I go to my <laughs> password app where I have to go create a new login. Yeah. With, a, yeah, with a secure password, I got yep. to go copy that. Now I go in, I create a new account. Pretty,
1: gotta... pretty soon your garage door opener is going up and down. That's
0: how they get you. They hack. Yeah. They hack in.
1: Yeah. yeah, they do.
0: So now anyway. I go enter my new account information. I put in my email address. I paste in my new, my new you ready to go? Can I pay for this now? Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on. Now you need to configure your account. Because really? they need to know your license plate number.
1: Oh sure, sure, sure. Right. It's you're still part of configuring the account. Sure, you got to
0: configure the account because now they got yeah. the license plate number. You got to give it a name, like a memorable name for the car. For all your cars that you have, you want to yeah, give pookie. it a memorable name. Call it Pookie. Mine was Fuck Me Gently, and then <laughs> just like the Elvis song, and then uh-huh. and so you name it. Oh, guess what Fuck now? Fuck Me oh, oh. Okay, so <laughs>
1: Fuck,
0: Fuck Me True.
1: <laughs>
0: Never <laughs> let me go. It's based on R. elite uh, so now okay this is like seriously 10 to 15 minutes okay fine whatever you know we i have to pee so bad we didn't stop we've been driving for two hours i've been, oh, I've been slamming seltzer the whole time
1: you didn't tell me this part
0: oh god and i'm i am getting cross i'm yeah. getting cross i'm in the sun i'm already burning off some of my 100 spf sunscreen that i've been counting on to take care of me all day i'm, You're I'm stomping burning up down my daughter is just watching the roller coaster with like tears in her eyes like why are we still here configuring an app <laughs> okay, can I do this now? Well, not yet. You got to want to turn on notifications, so we can give you oh. notifications about your parking. Yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah, And now guess yeah, what? Guess what? Yeah. Oh, 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 we need your payment information. Because why the hell would we put a credit card, dingus, into the parking meter? You need to enter it in the app with the account uh. you just put in. That's fine. <laughs> Dude, boys, flash. <laughs> so guess what, though? You can... Hmm. Take a photo of your credit card. Feeling great about this. Fine, I enabled the camera. I set it on this steaming hot top of our automobile. I attempt to take a photo five times. It doesn't get it any time. Oh, that's fine. Let's just oh. start over. Now I go now. I go into my password app. I get my credit card information. Now I got to go copy, onesie, twosie, go copy and paste all of that in. Am I done? Nope. Now you got to enter what parking zone you're in. Oh, Tell parking us the parking zone, zone please. Or oh, you can shoot the QR code now that you've enabled the camera on your fucking phone to be able to pay for the parking so you can go and run <laughs> on a goddamn roller coaster on a Sunday. <laughs> and I entered the parking zone and then it goes, bleep, 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 now completing your parking. You have up to this time is accounting. Down. Do you want us to send your reminders? No. <sighs> no we had a pretty good time. We had some fried food. We yeah. uh, I went on I went on a roller coaster, they went on a sky ride. It was all good. And then we got back, you, you closed the session. I got four emails from all of this. I got four emails. I'm getting right. notifications.
1: Welcome. This Thanks. was so
0: that I could I, this is so that I could have my car be somewhere for a while. Yeah. Do you have a thought on
1: this? Am I, am the, I being, am I, you know me, am I be to me? You're saying the machine had some facility to take a card, just not a credit card? Yes. What was the card it could take? I think, I didn't think to take a picture of
0: the meter. I think it was probably the classic prepaid card. And Uh-oh. And in a sensible move, for once, you would not want that to be a size that would accommodate a standard credit card, because that would be very confusing to people. Right. Right. So but this
1: was a thing that if you were a Santa Cruz resident you would get a little card that was your
0: parking card. We have that. I mean, we have that for public transit. <clears throat> you can get them for parking. You buy like a throwaway $20 um card for to pay for parking. I just let's move on to the Beatles, but like yeah, do you
1: feel me on this? I <clears throat> I I'm so I'm so filled with sympathetic rage. Mm. Um You got to get it, an app. You got to
0: down, you got to go somewhere and what if you don't have A smartphone. What if you don't have a credit card?
1: You know what you would have done? You would have walked over to the nearest bodega store. and I have $60 in quarters? No, you would have said, what's the deal with parking around here? And they would have said, oh, we sell the parking cards. 20 bucks. See, you're smart. And you would have gone, hmm. I'll know for next time. I think, right? But yeah. maybe not. Maybe the guy at the counter would have said, "Like you got to get an app."
0: But I feel like this is when I look around and I see every one of these that says 00, zero and expired
1: mm-hmm. on it, and well, I'm thinking. But, see, but that's an argument you're having with your wife, not with not with the meter. Or Do you want to get a ticket? I said, "Yeah, honey, I want to get a ticket."
0: That's why I'm sitting here configuring an app in the sun. So I feel like I'm in a so, fucking Camus novel.
1: The problem is that you' that even Santa Cruz now is too close to San Francisco oh, to ever be a real town it's again. And the apps, they bring in the apps. And so, th- I, I just played this festival. Right, the Long Winters got back together. We played this Upstream Music Festival. It's being put on <laughs> by Paul Allen's company Vulcan. That's <laughs> all a lovely organization, and I know a lot of the people there. I actually am on the board, which apparently was not a conflict of interest when they asked me to play. <laughs> Uh, because they never gave any information to the board or asked us any questions at all. But when we got our packets, because when you're playing a big festival like this, right, you get packets. Sure. You're going to get a packet. I'll give you a packet. And Sean Nelson got his packet first. And Sean has e- Sean has become somebody, I guess, who does his due diligence in, he, he, nowadays. Isn't he, isn't he an editor? He is, right. So he has and to make sure that things are proper. He does. And so he on behalf and oh and he also he lives in Pioneer Square. So on behalf of the band he said I'm going to go down and and uh, figure out what the deal is. Which is great. If you're playing a big festival and you have somebody you know, you have somebody doing advance, listen,
0: in any situation if you want to make yourself suddenly very useful, be the person who decides to go and figure out what the deal is. Yeah. Go find
1: out There's what the deal is. There's always a deal is. to be figured out. You're 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 recon, right? You're you're uh, you're the Your your ranger. You could
0: spend four hours guessing, or twenty minutes finding out what
1: the dealio is. Find out what the deal is. So Sean comes back. This is all happening via text, and he said, "Here's the thing: you have to go to the you have to go to the football field to the to the uh, box office there. Get your packet, and then you have to you you have a wristband, but you have to activate the wristband. What? It's a smart. Is it a smart wristband? And to activate the wristband, you have to get the app. Oh, my God. And once you get the app, then you activate the wristband. But there is a full, full typewritten page with a second page of addenda of instructions about how to activate the wristband. Oh, my God. And like all this stuff. Like if you if you do this wrong, then you're you can't get into the festival for the rest of the day. Null and void, a, John. Null and void. That's right. And just on and on. And he's Sean is reading all these like rules and regulations about the wristband and and. But he said since we're playing, we have two wristbands. But the instructions are saying, do not activate two wristbands. If you activate two wristbands, it's null and void. You can only activate one, but it doesn't say which one. And it's just like this, uh, it's just this thing that's, you know, Sean is getting very frustrated and very like, what is, this is madness. And it's the same thing. Like he can't download the app because he's standing in the middle of a parking lot. And so uh, Eric and Nabil both like, sitting in their respective homes like went through all this process downloaded the app got prepared for the for the for the event for the day and i did what you might expect mm, can you guess yes. what i did
0: uh, did uh, <clears throat> nothing about it <laughs> until it was too late to do anything about it
1: yes okay <laughs> <clears throat> i took the the, uh, I know that the, strategy. I took the envelope with both of my wristbands and all the instructions and several VIP drink tickets and whatever else, and I put it in the front pocket of my jacket. And I walked around the festival, and I went everywhere that I wanted to. And when I would walk up to a place and they would say, do you have a wristband? I would say, yeah, it's here. And I would pat my jacket as I walked past them. Whoa. No one stopped me. And when uh, when it was time to to park in order to do the to to do our show there's i was like where's the artist parking and they said oh there isn't any and so i had time
0: to get wristbands with apps but they didn't have time to figure out a place for load-in
1: they designed a they designed an app but they didn't think about load-in so i just parked my uh, truck right in front of the venue like on the not on the sidewalk but it was like a plaza and I took one of the VIP drink tickets and I put it under the windshield wiper. <laughs> <laughs> it could it, work. There's so many ways it might end up working. <laughs> it's not, I'm not going to use it as a drink ticket, right? And it says VIP on it. So yeah. I put it under the windshield wiper. That's clever. Oh, and I sat there and watched. And all day long, cops on their beat swinging their nightsticks would walk by. They'd stop. <laughs> they'd look at this the, thing? <laughs> they'd look at the, the VIP drink ticket and they'd be like, hmm. And off yeah. they'd stroll, you know. Ooh, oh, big question, be order. <laughs> and uh and i and and then it was time for the show the big show the night show and we're standing out front we're talking people are are coming up to the show there's a line of people trying to get in and Nabil walks over and he says i just talked to the woman at the front door and she says they don't have the guest list and i was like what this is not good you know we're going on in 45 minutes and i walked over and said Uh, I just heard that you don't have the guest list. What do we have to do? And she said, oh, it's not that I don't have the guest list. It's that we have no provision for us having a guest list. Nobody said a word about guest list and we're not supposed to have that here. What? I said, well, how does that work? She said, well, the guests, your guests are supposed to go down to the football field and get the wristband and get the app and activate the app. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I said, "Oh, that's not going to work at all." And she said, "Well, I that's the that's the deal." So, I so I called my guy, the the person that had been repping us to the festival, and I was like, or the our festival rep rather, and I said, "Hey, what's the story?" And he said, "Well, it's a festival. It's not every club doesn't have a guest list. It's like a fest." And I said, yeah, but you're describing it as a fest like Bonnaroo or something where there's one door, one gate, and you stop at the gate and you get everything you need before you go through the gate. But this is – you're having this event in a town. This is your first year. This isn't how things are done. Where, you know, like people aren't – they're going to show up for the show They're not going to go to the football stadium. And he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. You know, this is the I didn't design it. This is the thing. You know, you got your you got to have your your app.
0: (laughs) And it's just I mean, it's just implicit in all of this, though, is that everybody has a smartphone from a major vendor that will allow them to number two, then wirelessly go to a site. Get an app. Yeah. I mean, it's I guess it's. Probably a fairly safe bet, but oh my god, what a crummy system!
1: That you have, you know. Then you put in all this information about yourself, and then then you have to you have to enable the microphone just in case it needs to uh, hear you scream, or you need to, you know, it's going to send you notifications now for the rest of the year and so forth. Give yourself a memorable nickname. Fuck me gently. (laughs) So I'm on the phone with this guy, and I said, "Listen." Because you know, I've been practicing for a long time. Like you know, you've said to me many times that I should be nicer. Have I? And well, you know, read between the lines. Sure. And I've I've heard this from a lot of people. You should be nicer. Mm-hmm. And you know, for every time that I put a VIP drink ticket under the windshield wiper of my truck and I get away with murder all day, there's another time when I'm like angry to somebody and that makes them sad, mm-hmm. and that's not what I want. Mm-mm. So I, rem- I, so I remain not just calm, but very friendly. And I say to this person, <laughs> let, me, let me describe what's going to happen. <laughs> what I want. What's going to happen is about 15 minutes from now, my 82-and-a-half-year-old mother is going to walk up to the door of this venue. And she's going to say, hello, I'm on the guest list. They're going to say, we've never heard of this guest list thing. You need to go eight blocks to the football stadium. Download, get your wristband, download an app and the guy on the other end of the line is he's he's already with me right he's with me now and i said <clears throat> see that is just not going to work um at all right my 83 year old mother 82 and a half i'm sorry is uh-huh. not it's not, I'm not going to ask her to make this trek, particularly not because she showed up here 10 minutes before we went on. Right. And he's like, right, right, right. I see. I see. I understand. And I said, so there's gotta be some kind of situation where you can send someone here to handle this. Someone here to the venue to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. Because I can't handle it, and you can't handle it. The people at the door can't handle it, but it needs to get handled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, "Let me, let me, uh, let me, let me call you right back." And I said, "Okay." So I'm standing there, and about four minutes later, here comes a guy up the street, and he's exactly the guy you want to see, because this is a festival being put on by by Paul Allen and Vulcan, right? So all the security at all these events are the same people that work the football games, huh. because they don't. They've never put on a music festival before, so they don't understand that that's a thing. It's a different kind of thing, right? There are production people who do it for a living. Production is an actual job. Mm -hmm. Event production is a high-level job. It's it's like event
0: planning. It's, it's, you know, anything where you think like, oh, I can be an event planner. It's like because I schedule meetings and people come to them. It's like, no, you are really shooting a bullet with a bullet. There's so many things. Even if everything you plan goes flawlessly, you haven't accounted for even the beginning of your job when everything doesn't go as planned.
1: You see this in tech all the time. People are just like, "Oh, I can do this." Anyway, the guy shows up. He's uh, he's dressed head to toe in black, which is what you want: black mm-hmm. jeans, black sleeveless T-shirt. He has a radio uh, with a with a like a a microphone on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Good signs, he all has, good signs. Yep, he has a mag light and a Leatherman. Oh yeah, this is your guy. <laughs> The sides of his heads are shaved sides of his head are shaved, but on the top he's got a like black hair pulled back into a ponytail mm-hmm. <clears throat> Has he got, he's,
0: got, he's got a mag he's probably got some got some tape he's mm-hmm. got like a oh, l- yeah. the leather man he's got it all going on.
1: He walks up, puts his hand out, he says, "Hi, John. We've worked together before, and I said, "It's great to see you and he said, "What do you need?" I said, "Here's the situation." He said, "Don't worry about it." Uh, show me your guest list, and I pulled it up on my phone. And he sat while I'm holding my phone, and he wrote all the. Uh, he didn't want me to email it to him. Ooh. He just sat and like tapped in all the names into his own phone really fast. And I was like, I can just email this to you. And he was like, Nope, I got it. And I, you know, and, and I'm doing this while people are talking to me, right? Like he's not demanding any attention either. He's just like. I understand i got this covered (laughs) and then immediately everything was fine and i and i grabbed him by the elbow and i was like why are you not doing this already and he said when they when they announced this festival six months he's like leans in all quiet when they announced this festival six months ago i sent them an email and i said hey i'm a like i'll handle security and production for you i have a production company, I'll do this work for you. And I didn't hear back for that from them for five and a half months. And two weeks ago, they wrote me and said, Will you please help us? A little bit of a fire fest type situation. Yeah. And and he was like, so I'm working for him. I could have done all this. I could have made all this a long time ago. It could have been fine. But anyway, now it's fine. I've got your stuff. Fret not. And so I heard. So I left and went up on the stage and I heard later that as my people showed up at the door, they were like, Hi, I'm on the guest list. And The people at the door were like, welcome. So nobody got the app. Nobody, nobody got the wristbands. They didn't even know that they had to. That's the beautiful thing about this story, Merlin. They never even learned that there was a thing that they were getting around. This guy never, should get some kind of an award. You know what? He does get he gets the reward of being a professional that kicks ass at his job. Yeah. I mean, and I hope that they paid the shit out of him because, I mean, and I I heaped praise upon him and was like, thank you. But the thing is, as soon as I saw him coming down the street, I was like, oh, someone from my tribe like here. I recognize what I see this person and know. It's that like things D&D. Are this, be you've
0: met this ranger before.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, this kind of ranger that's walking up to you cuz he's walking up with the with also the the stride of someone who is not like this is not a guy who is going to follow orders and one day be convicted of a war crime <laughs> you know sometimes like, just the way a
0: fella carries himself you just know whether or not he he'll, he'll, he'll be charged with a war crime
1: yeah this is not a second lieutenant with his helmet on backwards calling down uh, artillery on his own position yeah this is somebody who's like, at a certain point, when he gets an order that's that's a foo bar, mm-hmm. He's going to belie that order. He's going to belie that order. Mm-hmm. That's right. He's going to say... Stand down, sir. Yeah. He's going to say... <laughs> I would prefer, I would, I would Remove prefer, your key, sir! I would prefer not to. <laughs> I do not prefer it. Uh, so, anyway, all by way of saying, you as feel we me. say in this podcast game... <laughs> The fucking app. Oh, the app. I don't want any more apps. I want fewer apps. Oh, 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 oh. I didn't tell you. I know you want to get to the Beatles, but there's one more thing. Uh, we have a, a, a loyal listener to our program, who uh, lives in Portland, and she runs a, um, she runs an operation called Strange Vacations, mm-hmm. which is a uh, like it's a motorcycle clothing and lifestyle company uh, for women. Mm-hmm and strange um, vacations strange vacations <clears throat> it's in pdx it's in pdx that's okay. right and she's got a you know a great collection of it's not just that they do leather jackets but they do events <gasps> oh my do, god look at this stuff yeah they uh they do you know they're it's like a it's like a, a an organization to bring like motorcycle women who ride motorcycles of all of all stripes that's kinda, so cool and uh, it's, a, it's a squarespace site look at that yeah. just like us so wow. she sent me a thing the other day uh and I, you may have heard of it you may not have but oh it's my god. uh www.thelightphone.com are you familiar with the light phone no i'm looking now the Lightphone. the Lightphone. she said i saw this i thought of you i thought you would, you thought you might like it the Lightphone. oh my god it is a phone. It is a phone the size of a credit card. Also, a Squarespace of, site, and it only has uh, it has ten preset people, and then just numbers on it. it it's has just numbers. just a phone, and it's it's real little. Yeah, you can't text on it. You can't do anything on it. It's Ooh. just and and it, the thing is, it's tethered to your not tethered. It's somehow connected to your normal phone, so it's your same phone number. So, for, so times, can, but for times when you don't want a smartphone, when you literally just want to be reachable by phone. Right. So you leave your smartphone at home. You put this in your pocket that you can call the 10 people you most regularly call, and they can reach you. Mm-hmm. People that have your number can reach you. But otherwise, you are free from having to look at your thing. Uh, I could use that. I could still use that right now. And I think he, I think they said it's like five bucks a month. I mean, it's they're they're doing everything they can to make it like, just like yeah. namaste. You know namaste. what I mean? Namaste. I was kind of so, hoping she
0: was going to make us a leather jacket. I'm kind of bummed.
1: Well, you know, I said to her at one point I would like, say if you want to make
0: me a leather jacket, I would accept it.
1: Where's where's uh where's the rock swag? And she was like, "Oh, next time we get a big order in and then I never, you know. She sends me this kind of shit but never says like, oh yeah,
0: somebody Remember? takes the, somebody takes the time to reach out and offer us something useful and they are like,
1: that's all very interesting, but where's my free shit? That's great. But what what about the leather jacket? What about the $1000 leather jacket that you never said that you would make us? Anyway, where's the like fun. thank you for your service so i i was uh i was looking around the other day somebody suggested that there was a new beatles documentary and so the hulu one well so i went around looking for it it was made by ron howard or somebody oh heartbreaking and i couldn't find it except on hulu it's made made by and for hulu And I went to Hulu and they were like, you got to download the app and then you have to put in your, you have to pick a, pick a name, pick like a cute nickname for yourself, get 30 days free, but then, you know, then we're just going to suck $15 out of your life for the rest of your life. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way. And so I went on the internet and I was like, I want to watch this for free. How do I watch this for free? And I, I never do this and I hate to do it Mm -hmm. because it's always awful. It's it's at odds with how you approach this industry. But I found a place where, and I think it had Japanese subtitles or something. (laughs) This sounds legit. I started watching this movie and I was just like, oh, it was, you know, you think there's no new Beatles news under the sun. There's no new
0: footage. There's no new stories. You've heard it all. You know, every cliche backwards and forwards, chapter and verse.
1: It's so wonderful when you discover that there's more Beatles stuff and great Beatles stuff. Like, All this live footage, the cleaned up audio, you can hear how great they are live. And when when they did that
0: sound great to themselves, they couldn't, Ringo could not hear anything.
1: Couldn't hear it. Couldn't hear a thing, but but there they are. And then about halfway through watching this thing, it stops. Oh, no. And I go try to refresh it, and it's gone. Like, I am watching some pirate shit as it's being taken down.
0: It's like it's like the the light of another sun, and by the time it gets here, that that sun's actually
1: dead. That sun was gone, right? I was just watching the. I was watching the. Might, last have dying, you, might have been dead when you started watching it. That's right. The dying embers of. I mean, I heard millions of souls cry out, and all were extinguished at once. Seven seven sided lighthouse made of dreams. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So that's no moon. Mm. You know what I'm saying?
0: Wasn't it sad though? I mean, it's, you just feel the melancholy. Oh, so much, there's so much Beatles news this week. Oh, wow. I'm currently reading a book uh, called Beatles 66, and it's an entire book length book all about starting really in December 65. It's the length of a book? Yeah, it's a whole book about what happens with the Beatles in 1966. That's which a is, great
1: year for the Beatles. Which is easily
0: the most interesting, really the most interesting Beatles year. And just in short, that means it's basically Rubber Soul comes out beginning of December 65. They do a small tour in the UK. They take three months off. Which, if you know the Beatles and go look at some of the infographics on the Beatles, that happened, I think, once, period, full stop. Is this where they went down to the islands? They were in Greece or something? This is pre-Maharishi, I believe, but I haven't gotten to that part of the book yet. But the, 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 the thing to know is that a lot of their interests as individuals developed during this period. They didn't have the same haircut anymore, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot to those three months. They come back, they record Revolver, they release Revolver. They do a little... At this point now... So now they're done touring. They're done touring at this point. Mm-hmm. And then they start recording Sgt. Pepper at the end of the year. Along with lots of life stuff. I mean, Paul and John's relationships break up. John meets Yoko. Ringo meets Charlie Chaplin. There's all these things that happen. There's questions about what the next movie canon should be. I mean, these are things where today this all seems normal because you're used to how pop culture and culture works. Back then, the idea of the most popular and successful band in the world is going to stop touring... Like, that's what rock music is, rock and roll. Rock and roll is touring, putting out records, touring, putting out records. Who do you think you are? What are you, you know, Leonard Bernstein? You're going to sit around and write songs about love? Like, get out there, you know, mock Shao.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: But then the idea that, like, they wouldn't just jump into an ill-advised third movie when they didn't like the script. There's all these things that they did where people are like, well, this is it. Put a fork in them. Finally, finally the Beatles are going to be exposed for the frauds that they are. And their whole is,
1: career. Their whole The career, whole the thing was day. a fluke.
0: You go yeah. and read reviews of Rubber Soul in like in NME and Melody Maker, and they're like, mm, it has kind of a nice song. And it's, you know, in my life, it's like, oh, it has a, like a nice piano melody, but, you know, none but of But it's th-
1: finally over. Yeah,
0: this is it. I mean, really, these guys, they, they, the songs, Nowhere Man is so repetitious, Fool on the Hill, like, ugh. They've just, this, they tried, you know, it's a swing and a miss. Next mm-hmm. band, please. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So anyway, 1966. But in this case, it wasn't it heartbreaking? Though you know that for years they were playing sometimes three shows a day. They like in in Liverpool they would play a a lunchtime show at the Cavern Club and then two evening shows at different venues. They were for a time playing up to three, at least three like gigs a day. Three and I lo- think day. they honestly legitimately did love it. And then they become successful, and now it's the worst. It's like it's like they're trying to swim around in jello. Ugh. It's so not rock and roll. I mean, it is rock and roll to the audience. Like, oh my god! And we've been watching so much Beatles. I told you last night we watched a Hard Day's Night at my daughter's request.
1: Well, that's such a great.
0: That movie. iconic. You just look at a silhouette of those four guys, and I explain: you know, Paul's over on the left because you know he's left-handed, and that makes this stage setup like so iconic. It is the iconic. But you show a silhouette of the four Beatles with Ringo up on the drum riser. You instant. There's no question in your mind who those four people originally were. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And Uh, then they they can't. Live is not fun. Live is not fun. Live is pulling teeth. They they feel like they're treading water. They're musically. They feel like they're moving backward musically.
1: I'm confused. What role did Charlie Chaplin play in the breakup of the Beatles? Not the breakup of the Beatles.
0: Uh, This is '66. This is just from the first chapter of this book explaining why this was such a momentous year. And it's just in the service of saying that really the short version is that from depending on when you start counting, let's say '62 through 65. It was just a non-stop series of escalating craziness. As you saw in that documentary, they were increasingly... I mean, you you already know, like, oh, the Beatles couldn't walk around because you know, young people would chase them. Like, everybody knows that. You've seen A Hard Day's Night, and that was part sure, of the bit. But cool the truth cool was, that. their life was unmanageable. People were threatening... The Ku Klux Klan, political groups, The people were threatening their lives at this point. They could not go anywhere. they They really, really were stuck. Four guys... They're mostly indistinguishable to strangers. Four identical-looking guys who played terrible music, and then all of the people who wanted to possess them. That—that's what it was. And all the only only people in their lives were a handful of like girlfriends and music professionals. And so it was the first time since the Beatles got anywhere near popular that they had any air at all to go and develop new interests, you know, go get into, you know, Stockhausen or go out and get into, like, whatever it is, go out and discover these things that would become hugely important in the the giant middle phase of the Beatles.
1: I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot because it's such a big Beatles week. What struck me about that um, documentary, I mean, there were 50 things that struck me about it. Hard, But one of the interesting things that it just had never been had never been shown to me in exactly that way was how much the phenomenon of the Beatles was registering as world historical to the people of the time, like the the journalists were saying this is an unprecedented crowd of people this has never happened before no one has ever no one expected this right no one knows what to do about this 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 sense uh, that that guy that followed them on tour who you know his boss said uh, you want to go out with the beatles and he was like no why would i want to do that that seems like a dumb thing why are you sending me a seasoned reporter on this dumb junket and then two weeks in he's like i'm basically i'm living out the most extraordinary event in the 20th century and this is this is what uh 20 years after the end of World War II most adults are you know World War II is going to be their formative tentpole moment for the 20th century but this is like something above and beyond what anybody could have ever seen or or known what to do and and that hearing those voices and realizing that from inside it i mean they were we you always see the picture and you know that that like yeah there's never been a beatles before right like beatlemania sure it's yeah. but we're we're all post beatles and to to hear those people talking having been pre beatles and now being like trying to make sense of it it was so thrilling but also just terrifying because it had never happened before and so who? What's to keep? the tonight, tonight being the night that the, that everybody dies, right? I mean, well, every it, single it, it one exactly, of those
0: exactly. It felt even even taking into account whatever Johnny Ray's and Frank Sinatra's of the past. It felt it felt unprecedented. It felt weird. So once it started, it seemed really exceptional. Once it escalated, it seemed even more uncanny. Once it went to like 10 times that people were like, well, this has to end. Like, yeah, so right. it really becomes in a relatively short, you're talking about like a year and a half or less. You go from like, they had a, a small single with like Love Me Do, if you like a year ago. I think Love Me Do had like 18 months between when it first came out and like when they really caught on. They were a popular band, but there were tons of popular big beat bands, they called them, or Mersey beat bands. But then, the entire time you're a grown-up, it's like not so different from the condition I have today, where I'm just going like, okay, it's another day. How long can this go on? Can this this? There's no way this can go on another week, let alone another month. Talking about something different here, but like back then, if you're one of the burgers and Meisters, like you would just be going like, there's no way this can continue. This has got to be exposed as a fraud and blow up in a shower of sparks.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Or something awful is going to happen. You know, like it, like. People are going to die. There's just no—we we didn't prepare—it was only because it was an era of greater civility that people didn't die. Because, they, you know, there were 25 cops, and all of a sudden there are 25,000 people there. And they just didn't have the—if if the crowd had been unruly or less ruly, mm-hmm. you know, they could have just stormed the— storm the doors or whatever. And it was the, you you see all those scenes where there's like 10 Bobbies holding hands with their hats getting knocked off Mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, no, stay back. But effect, but that's effective, right? The 10 Bobbies holding their hands and the girls are like, well, we can't cross the police line. Right. Um, now, you know, that would have been, I mean, everyone would, everyone would have, would have been, uh, I mean, uh, it's astonishing to think no one was crushed to death, no,
0: and nobody was thinking about an improvised uh, explosive device.
1: Right? No, none of those Ku Klux Klan guys actually did ride in and, right. and burn the place to the ground. And at, at, you know, and these four dingalings are riding the crest of this wave, and you know, and it's so lovely to see that they did have each other in those in those years, and they did have that sort of. I I didn't know about the about the fact that they had they decided internally that they were absolutely democratic and if one if one beetle didn't want to do something then they wouldn't do it. And I just thought that was that was a miracle. I couldn't I I couldn't fathom that they actually made all the decisions that they made from 63 or 61 to to whenever, you know, the the decision to stop touring was just like George saying I can't do this anymore. And they were Mm -hmm. all like, right, (laughs) right, sure done. And that's like, that's so lovely. And considering like how fast that all fell apart. And by two years later, they couldn't stand to be in the room with each other. Mm -hmm. But yeah, imagine. imagine It's only them.
0: It's all they haven't been through this either they who
1: bad, you know? Right, they're
0: young. They're in their early 20s. They're, they are very young. Their life is changing very, very quickly. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing is when you look at this stuff and you look at the, the pictures and the movies and everything, we feel, you know, we're so inured toward toward those images. But they were they were living that. This was all mm. new to them and they didn't know where it was going to go either. They basically, it was understood... The question they would get in almost every interview was, "Okay, so this is clearly this is going to end soon. What are you going to do? John and Paul would say, well, we'll probably be songwriters. And it was generally I'm just quoting this book at this point. Beatles 66 is that, oh, well, you know, for Ringo and George, whatever money they end up with, they should probably invest in business because obviously
1: this this will be over with any day now. And there are a couple of scenes in the movie where Paul's like, well, you know, I think it'll last another six months. And and he's 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 in a rare instance, you know, being sincere. They're not being snarky. <laughs> They're like, Yeah, and I, I you know, who it can't last, right? Right. Like this is madness. Oh, poor Beatles. <sighs> poor Beatles. What else Beatles. happened this week so much? Um so
0: I was so the Beatles sixty six thing, highly recommended. Uh I had heard I just want to stipulate. I, I really like the band, the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Sergeant Pepper. It, 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 on a good day, is my fourth favorite Beatles album, probably mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I, the, the top ones change, but Rubber Soul, Revolver, White Album, um,
1: Rubber Soul, Revolver, White Album
0: are always going to be, to me, jockeying for top position, and then you get down into like with the Beatles or Abbey Road, but like you know, uh, Sergeant Pepper's hasn't aged well me. In the same There's way of... Rubber Rubber Soul is 51 years old and still sounds like they're inventing a new kind of music. And obviously Revolver I think is I don't know, fight me, it's their best album.
1: Revolver is.
0: Well, I mean, I all I want to say is that it is conventional wisdom. I feel like this, I don't know if it started with this, but I I feel like the 25th anniversary um whenever that was of uh or no 20 years because it was 20 years ago today so I guess that would be 90 or 87 rather there was this whole like oh you know Sgt. Pepper there would be no this and that without Sgt. Pepper and they were definitely you know the Beach Boys and the Beatles were playing off each other at the apex and there would not be psychedelia there would not be multi-track like I it is I just want to stipulate it's a good album and it's got some great songs it's a gestalt album no no I, I accept and understand the importance of Sgt. Pepper there are so many other albums I would put on first. So I just wanted to just wanted to prepare you for my adulation here by saying that's my position on Sgt. Pepper. Would you like to share your position on Sergeant Pepper?
1: Uh, <clears throat> so I also am a. Uh, my feeling has always been that Sergeant Pepper is a little bit of a mixed bag of of fruit, and there's a lot of stuff on there that. Yeah, I I, I I don't go back to over and over. Obviously, there are some great songs, and obviously, it's the Beatles, and every song is great.
0: Yeah, well, like, like do you do you come home from working at the bar and put a, put on for the benefit of Mr. Kite? Mm, typically, no.
1: Yeah, but um, and and you know, and it and it foreshadowed a lot of the stuff on the White Album that is kind of like, um, you know, a, a little bit a, a little bit responding to what I imagine is. What they think is the culture in, you know, in downtown London that, I mean, you know, you, those guys are still young guys. And so I think sensitive to being called, uh, you know, what, at the point at which the Beatles became an epithet that the cool art kids would use to describe something that was cheesy or for teens. Um, I think the Beatles themselves were really sensitive to that. And, and really, a lot of the, the exploratory nature of their later work was both driven by their own sort of desire to, to, be, uh, to not be static, but also, you know, we can't know what it's like for them to go out to some club in London and have hipsters sneer at them. It was it was you know? a really
0: different culture and time. The music the music magazines were very important back then. And like anybody who's ever been in a band in England, you get frustrated with the press because they got their own thing going on. But unlike today, where you might more easily be criticized for being unsophisticated, back then it would just be article after article about how their days are up because they've they've they, they've forgotten how to make a catchy song. And so yeah. when they were trying all this like putting a sitar on stuff, which they described as an Arabian guitar, in the press, like uh-huh. they 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 were the the Beatles were two or three steps ahead of the entire mainstream in that way and the music was described again i'm quoting this book i don't have it in front of me but i remember very clearly their, their, their music was became described as dark starting around rubber soul although i think you really could uh, beatles for sale is very it. beatles for sale is very dark yeah you can hear it in Help. Uh, oh god yes and, and <laughs> but but they but they but dark considered dark in an industry where promoting good feelings is the stock in trade so it was considered like these guys have really lost the thread
1: on what they're doing here. Well, th- so there's that, but there's also all those. I mean, you think about like the John Mayall and the Blues Breakers, or that that whole movement of uh, oh, or even this, was, even the Stones. Like they're so much cooler than the Beatles. Yeah, just happening in I get the sixties in England, where it was like, you know, oh, we're not we're not making this like music. We're playing the blues. We're serious white British dudes playing the blues and whatever else, you know, the, they were under all that social pressure, people doing avant garde dance performances and whatnot. And the Beatles are, are trying to be on the vanguard of everything because of who they are. You know, they want to be, they don't want to, I mean, that was the, that was what was so profound about that, about, uh, dylan at royal albert hall and the effect that that had on john just that they went to see dylan and you could hear a pin drop and john was like why why don't people listen to us like that like that that feeling that he could get up there by himself and be so serious so respected so unimpeachable and i mean then again dylan is another phenomenon Where you go, well, there's never going to be another one of those. I mean, imagine, imagine what it would be like to be somebody that that really was unimpeachable for for uh, unimpeachable to all the people that you desperately, as an artist, want to be unimpeachable to. That's the crazy thing. I mean, there there were plenty of critics of Dylan, but all of the but none of the critics of Dylan were the people that Dylan cared about.
0: It would be almost like I, I, in a time when there were comic strips in the paper, it would almost be like there was a comic strip that got really popular, and then it got popular with your smart friends, and pretty soon it was generally agreed to not only be the most important comic strip of all time, but one of the great works of literature. Everybody yeah. would be going, how could, how could a comic strip in the paper be one of the greatest pieces of literature that's antithetical? These are pop groups. Yeah. These are pop. And that's the other thing. The Beatles did not call themselves a rock band. They called themselves a pop group. They they were a product in a lot of ways for the beginning of their career. Who would look hmm. at them were doing like this guy? What folk music is going to become this really important thing? Folk music? Come on, this is 1961, guys. Wake up. <laughs> right. It's
1: not 1935. And yes. Yeah. Sorry, Ma Kettle. It's not going to be on the charts. And then there and there it is. I and I, I, as an artist, as somebody working in this in this. Um, vernacular you know you 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 always want to be the you, you desperately want to be the band that not only that everybody loves but even more importantly that everybody respects and and you see you see artists throughout time that kind of come out with a thing people love it they respect it and then there's there's two ways you can go, right? You can be respected and then your popularity falls off, or you can be popular and your respectability falls off. But those few so people rare. That
0: It's so rare to, to uh, obtain and sustain both. It's very yeah. unusual.
1: Stay up on that ridge and also stay up on that ridge and seem— and make it seem like it's effortless. You know, Dylan did everything he could to dislodge himself right. and all it did was put him put him back up there. Um and and you know, and you think about like the Eagles who were one of the most successful bands in history and desperately craved critical acknowledgement which they which you know, the critics just denied them Mm -hmm. and you think about i mean even bands of our of our age the the strokes that first strokes record like everybody loved it but they weren't able to maintain it Mm -hmm. they couldn't stay up there somehow they um and i think it was you know it was a big a big factor in harvey dangers kind of uh Harvey Danger was motivated by a desire to be respected by the music critics, much more than they were by desire to be internationally famous. And you know, those those pressures really took their toll on those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and Death Cap for Cutie, you know, my my pals who have who have done this career where they, I think, worked very hard to get this. To get on this particular ridge that they're on, which is that their critical appraisal and their fan uh, and the passion of their fans has remained constant throughout their career, always growing at a steady pace. You know, they've never made a record that the critics said this is the you know, they've lost it. They've never really lost their fans, but they've never they've also never like hit the hit the big time, considering how long their career has gone. Like by this point in, I mean, Death Cab's been a band for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah. I've been and, listening to them for 18 years. That means when I started listening to Death Cab for Cutie, uh, a baby born on that day would now be getting ready for college.
1: Yeah, right. I know. Exactly. Right. Or, or, I mean, if, if, uh if it was, if our if you overlaid REM's career onto Death Cab for Cuties' career, we're into the two thousands in the REM canon, right? Wow. So so Death Cab could have at any point along that way had a record that was there automatic for the people, and they never have. But by the same token, they've never they've never like had a record where it was like, well, you've had a couple of million sellers, and then the, the next one sold a hundred thousand copies. Oh, well, they don't have a Dylan self portrait. Yeah. Right. Or a metal machine music. They never, they never, uh, never wake Christian. I would love to hear Ben Gibbard's version of Metal Machine Music. You do know it. You never, you never know. You never know what comes next. I could see Chris Walla doing that maybe. But for me, you know the the uh, the desire to be critically loved. Is so powerful. Even even if you sit with your friends, and this is what all artists do—they sit and they go, "Wow, well, they don't know anything." But, you know, the critics are all blah. You know, the shit-talking critics is number one thing you do on a Saturday afternoon with your musician friends. But you also just want, like, I—I I, for some reason I don't know what happened. I went and looked at Pitchfork's top albums of 2002. Hmm. And, or 2000, yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know why. Why would you look at that? That's so strange. Why would that yeah, even occur to you to look at? I know. It was weird. It it's was weird. weird. Just I just happened I was, to be going by. I wonder what they
0: thought about that year. It was a crazy I was year.
1: Look, you know, I was just looking at Folk Streams, I think. Minding your just own got, business. Just checking out 2002. What was it like back then? Looking to see what, and you know, the huh. number one album, uh, Pitchfork's number one album of 2002 was Interpol's. Turn on the bright lights. <laughs> Love will tear us <laughs> apart. <laughs> and you know, and there were uh, there were a lot of bands in the top twenty that that I don't think anybody's heard of since. Uh, and they'll know us by the trail of dead. Ar- the Arctic Snow Patrol monkeys was way up there. Sure. I'm not even sure the Arctic Snow Patrol monkeys were were there. What do you then?
0: get back then? You, the- get a, you get you get maybe a Franz Ferdinand. Maybe you get a Dogs
1: Die in Hot Cars. What do you get? I think maybe those even those came a year later. Okay. Um, you know, you get some shins, you get some new pornographers. Luck.
0: But, uh... Oh, yeah, that would be like a Blown Speakers era. Maybe, uh... New Pornographers. Pitchfork, 2002
1: albums. Or as they called them then, LPs. LPs. 2002 LPs. Okay, here we go. Songs higher. Songs Ahaya? That was Songs a great higher, record, Tom actually. Reads.
0: Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Liars. some Sonic Youth mm-hmm. yeah the Canada stuff. Oh the No Twist I always forget the name of that band I like the, no, the Twist. no Twist yeah Kill the Moonlight very good especially when you listen to it backwards That is a good have a good record the Girls can tell is better oh. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trail of mm-hmm. Dead Bleeps and Bloops Yankee Hotel yep.
1: Oh huh. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot that was the one I really shook my fist at Yeah really at the time You like the more because... tuneful ones well, no, I felt like the I felt like uh, the long winters. The uh, worst you can do is harm. Uh, oh,
0: that's right. You had that album come out around that time. The worst you can
1: do is harm. Yeah. Oh, You, put that, it, you just know just coincidentally to me that that just might not coincidentally, be <laughs> coincidentally, uh, and it. You know, I felt like if you put a uh, worst you can do is harm and Yankee Hotel Foxtrot side by side. Yeah. You know, they're. <clears throat> I mean, I. You know, I'm probably the not the one to ask, but I really feel those. I feel like the long winter's uh mm-hmm. record holds its own yeah. in that competition. Yeah. But one of them was all anybody could talk about yeah. and the other one was not really talked about that. Well, that's true. <laughs> not even here. Covered by All Music guide. <laughs> yeah. All Music Guy did a nice All Music Guy was harder on the first one, right? They were yeah, they didn't under they just sort of like nah, on it. And um and they were wrong, you know, but uh yeah. But, you, they, you know, a review like that goes out, and it just hangs there for years. Travis Morrison. Yeah, that's right.
0: Um, have you—I realize I'm springing this on you late, and I, I, I'm thinking we should make this homework for the next episode. Have you had an opportunity to listen to the remix of Sgt. Pepper yet? No. I would like to—if you don't have it, I would like to gift
1: you with that. that. Is it a like stereo to, remix or a mono? Well— uh, is, that you know, part
0: of, is that part of the story? George Martin, in his later years, was having a lot of trouble with his hearing, and he brought in his son, who has done lots of production stuff, to be, as he says, his ears, and they work together on love. A Long story short, um, uh, oh shoot, what's his name? Not Clive. What's George Martin's son's name? I'm totally spacing um, on it. But Martin? his son, Martin? <laughs> Martin! Martin Hannett! Martin? <laughs> um... Emmerich, Aspinall, Mick Martin? McMasterson, McMasterson Martin? Tiger Woods. McMasterson, Martin? McMasterson Tiger Woods. <laughs> uh you know what they did? They went into Janet, Janet Martin. Janet Janet Martin Marway Mall. Shauna Malway Tweep. Martin, <laughs> Martin. 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 On the Thames. They <laughs> Thames upon Martin Bucket. Uh, they went yes. in and they got they got I guess they got the source. Tracks that became this is the pre bounce down what tracks?
1: How did they get those? Where I were don't those?
0: I don't know because I can't believe no one ever thought to do this before. Now Not? they come got on. all the original stuff. No, that's what? Yeah, what? Come on, they, they got all that
1: stuff. Are <laughs> you trying to kid? Oh no, come on.
0: Yeah, and then they they remixed it with the idea of saying, "Here's the problem. You take something like a day in the life." The 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 drum sounds at the beginning of day in the boom Like the mono version, everybody knows blah blah blah, go research Beatles Nerds, preferences on stereo versus mono. The true story is that for most of the Beatles career, they were heavily involved with George Martin in the production of the mono but like increasingly they would go, like, meh, you could just go go do something for the stereo. Right. So they could be actually kind of different versions with different parts. You'd hear different things. And a lot of times the stereo was really just Ringo's over here on the right, Ringo and Paula were over here, nobody else is over here. It's pretty simple. And and there's for a long time been understanding that, like, boy, you know, essentially what they did was they said, We want to make a 3D stereo sounding mix that's got the propulsion and fullness of the mono version. And you're gonna hear low end like you have never heard before. I don't want to spoil it for you. I would just, I would like if you would please to consider, Mm -hmm. and we'll we'll put this in the budget for the show. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, So here's what you get: you're going to get, you're going to get this. You're going to get the new remixed *Sgt. Pepper*. But that's not all. But that's not all. If you buy two and pay a separate fee, Uh you, um, it also includes whatever take they used of the bass track unadorned. Hmm. So. You know, you're going to hear what it sounded like, and you know, nerds have been able to get these in the various uh,
1: trucks and back corners for a while. But I've spent a lot of time on YouTube listening to this stuff. If I can, what I can find.
0: I mean, I went pretty deep into the like, oh, the MSFL Ebbets cut of revolver and all these different versions, and I had all the stereo and all the mono. I'm just saying, like, once you sat down, I um, on Saturday I listened to Sergeant Pepper probably for the first time in my life. I listened to Sergeant Pepper three times in one day. And then I listen to Whoa. the bass tracks, and it's a new album, and I'm going to leave it at that. Would you wow. would you consider doing this for homework?
1: Yeah, I will do this. I'll do this.
0: And then we'll come back next week, and amongst our other topics, uh, we will talk about uh, the 1967 album, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. All
1: right. Can't wait. Can't wait to, can't wait to, uh, to dig into this, because as you know, I like the Beatles. Yeah, me too. I think it, I'm ready to reappraise this. It sounds it was- like the White Album.
0: In a good way. It's, Do they have these so clear. stem tracks just floating around for the other albums? Good question. The thing is, it's sort of like John Syracuse's position on the new Star, Star Wars, uh, you know, the um, updated editions. It's like Empire Strikes Back is actually not very marred, whereas the first Star Wars movie is just massacred. I'm guessing that's what it's like. I bet, you know, Revolver sounds pretty great. Yeah. But if they exist, I will kickstart the shit out of that. Get in there and do this for every one of these
1: albums. Oh, my God. What is his name? But, I feel terrible now. But you want George Martin to be at the helm. The day that George Martin isn't helming the thing, then it just becomes like... Giles Martin. And he says Giles.
0: specifically, though, yes, he's going to keep in mind what his father would do. But even more importantly, he's going to ask the two living Beatles and going to try to infer what the other Beatles would want. It's He's oh. trying to do it in the spirit of what they would want to do with this. Ask the living Beatles. Ask the living Beatles. <sighs> mm, I
1: just clean. wish that I wish that Paul was more trustworthy.
0: <laughs> you, you have not directly, super directly addressed this. You have some credibility issues with Paul McCartney, Mister Sir, 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 Mister <laughs> Lord Paul McCartney. You have some, You you parse you parse hard on on a McCartney quote.
1: I just yeah I just I'm I'm just I'm hoping that Paul just hoping that paul does the right thing here paul at this point has probably overwritten a lot of the original tape
0: in his mind that's what i'm worried about (laughs) he might have done he might have done too many punches and like there's just stuff that he remembers a version of it that he started telling slightly differently in 1972
1: and he's still kind of operating off of
0: that broken bit of tape
1: yeah i'm i'm just i'm just afraid that it's you know i mean what what was his thing where he was like I don't see why it's not called McCartney-Lennon. Oh, Lucy Lou for the Bob's your uncle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and actually, the credits, that has been that has been corrected. What, it's now McCartney-Lennon? Some. Some. It basically, a uh, uh, credit has been apportioned based on contribution. Wow. Um, and I'm trying to remember. I don't have the hard copy. I've got the streaming version on Apple Music. But yeah, yeah, supposedly. Is actually good for Giles Martin. Good for Giles.
1: Good for Giles. You know, it's good for Giles. Everybody's got to earn a living.
0: Mm -hmm. That's what they say. Yeah. Giles Martin's 47. There's a 47-year-old guy producing Beatles albums now. (sighs) That's depressing. That's that's younger than you, right? Just barely. Just barely. Yeah.
1: Slightly (laughs) younger than me. The love you take is (laughs) Is equal equal to to the the love. love. love.